Large-scale operations are active in the United States to rig elections and to dismantle the basic protections meant to prevent election fraud. These include the paid mules, exposed by Dinesh D'Souza in his documentary 2000 Mules, but go beyond them to include organized efforts from paid agents of political campaigns to the constant legal actions from alleged civil rights organizations. We sit down with Hans von Spakovsky, a senior legal fellow with the Heritage Foundation and a former commissioner on the Federal Election Commission, to learn more about the groups using legal power and to dismantle America's election protections. Hey, Hans von Spakovsky, thanks for being on Crossroads. Sure, thanks for having me. So, Hans, you were, of course, recently featured in Dinesh D'Souza's 2000 Mules documentary, where you talked about a lot of the uh, operations that have been going on for a very long time to interfere in the elections. And, you know, in the documentary, one thing that stood out to me is you kind of didn't seem that shocked by what you were shown. It seemed like something that you were kind of, you've seen before. What was your reaction when you saw this? Was that the case? Yeah, unfortunately, I'm not surprised. Uh, unlike what the, the left is always telling you, we've had election fraud occurring in this country for a very long time, uh, going back a, a very far away. And uh, most often it involves absentee ballots. In fact, you know, the first time absentee ballots were used in the United States was in the 1864 election when Abraham Lincoln was running for re-election. And there was a huge uh, absentee ballot fraud uh, scandal over the votes of New York soldiers being stolen uh, in order to uh, be able to use them to vote against Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, so I want to I get into these organizations involved with the current elections and so on, but let's right. talk about this briefly because, you know, absentee ballots were one of the big issues we saw in, tw in the 2020 elections, especially because they made universal mail-in mail -in ballots. Um, what was the actual case? Like, how did that turn out during the Abraham Lincoln election? Well, the, it was discovered by uh, someone who was sent uh, uh, on behalf of the Republicans to monitor what was going on. And that is when he discovered that the uh, ballots of soldiers, particularly wounded soldiers in hospitals, were, were basically being stolen, filled out, and sent in in their name. And anybody who thinks that's not going on today, just recently, um, a uh, supervisor in a nursing home in Michigan was convicted of basically doing the same kind of thing. And that's a, a real problem. Uh, Dinesh D'Souza, you know, has some interviews in the movie with people who discovered that their parents, um, who are either in assisted uh, living centers or elsewhere, many of whom are no longer legally competent to vote, yet it turns out that ballots were cast in their name. Yeah, I remember seeing that. And actually, I remember doing election investigations previously where we there were phone calls to, you know, homes of people who voted right. and so on. And they found that, that uh, people said, you know, my, my father, he's suffering from dementia, for example, and there's no way he could have possibly voted. And somehow this person was voting. Now, in your, I guess, research, of course, you did a book on this, the uh, on the broken elections. Um, right. In terms of your research on this, do you find that to be one of the more common forms of voter fraud? It is, and particularly because, you know, the, the Heritage Foundation where I work, some years ago we started an election fraud database. We have hundreds of proven cases of fraud. I mean, cases where someone is convicted in a court of law uh, of being guilty of election fraud. And unfortunately, many of those cases involve 
uh, absentee ballots. And the reason for it, it look, is obvious. Those are the only kind of ballots that are voted, uh, as I said in the movie, outside the supervision of election officials and outside the observation of poll watchers. And there's nothing to prevent, unfortunately, um, activists and, and political consultants and others from going to people's homes and pressuring, intimidating, and coercing them to vote a particular way or, frankly, just taking their ballots and filling them out themselves and sending them in. And that's a real problem in the absentee ballot area. Well, let's dig into that a bit more. I mean, how sure. common is this? Is, is this? is this really like, I mean, let's put it this way. A lot of people would argue, yes, there's fraud. There's not enough fraud to impact the elections. Like, is this organized? Is this just random people doing it? Like, how big is this whole, this whole issue? Well, it's both. I mean, again, if you look at our database, I mean, sometimes it's isolated. You know, some individual taking advantage of the system. You know, we have folks who are who get registered in more than one state and vote twice. You know, once in person, once by absentee ballot in the other state. On the other hand, you have organized cases of fraud, um, particularly when it comes to what what the left likes to call vote harvesting. I call it vote trafficking because that's really what it is. Uh, this has particularly been a problem in Florida and in Texas along the southern border of paid uh, political activists uh, being paid by candidates, the political parties, going to people's homes and, like I said, pressuring and coercing them to give them their ballots and to vote a particular way. For, uh, Texas has had a number of convictions of that and that was a big issue uh, not that long ago remember in Miami in the 1997 mayor's race there the the Miami Herald actually won a Pulitzer Prize <laughs> for an intensive investigation of that and they found that thousands of fraudulent ballots have been cast in that election well that, that's pretty serious the campaigns it themselves is. having individuals they pay to go and do these operations I mean that's we, we don't hear enough of this, in my opinion. I mean, how, do, how do these operations actually work? Like, what, how, how do these function? Who are these paid operatives, and how do they relate to these campaigns? Well, in uh, Texas, for example, they, they actually have a term for it. A lot of it, unfortunately, goes on in Hispanic communities where people are considered more vulnerable, uh, poorer, maybe not as well-informed, and they call them uh, either politiqueros or boleteros. And these are folks, they're paid by the campaigns. Uh, they go through neighborhoods. They go up to people's homes, knock on the door, and uh, uh, either try to get their absentee ballot from them or tell them how to fill it out, make sure they fill it out the right way, uh, and then collect the ballots and deliver them. And they are paid to do this. And there have been many instances where uh, the voters say, well, I didn't actually fill out the ballot. The Politicaro filled it out for me and told me who to vote for. Jeez. Now, let's talk a bit more about, um, well, you know, Dinesh D'Souza, I believe in the documentary, referred to these organizations as the Mexican Mafia, I believe. Do you, do you see that as kind of an accurate representation of these groups? Well, I do know that they have often targeted uh, Hispanic communities. Like I said, they the most vulnerable vulnerable when it comes to absentee ballot fraud, uh, and this is out of a case uh, in Indiana by the state Supreme Court in which they said um, an absentee ballot fraud scheme there was targeting uh, the poor, the elderly, and many people for whom English is a second language. So, you know, I, I don't know if Mexican mafia is the correct term, but in many ways it is 
like a mafia. You have organizations that are involved in doing this, I, I think, in a way that is uh, very harmful to our election process. Now, a few other points on this. Um, I, I know you were recently testifying before Congress, and you got into the issue right. of voter ID. And, you know, of course, one of the big arguments right now is that somehow voter ID is racist. And, I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I've never seen driver's licenses as racist or having to show ID to, to use most services as racist, but apparently voter ID, they're saying, is racist. And I, I know that you had a bit of a, a debate, let's say, with one of the uh, senators, uh, specifically on the question of, well, you know, the statistics of voter ID in different neighborhoods, and they were trying to right. argue against racist. I mean, explain to us voter ID and the whole race argument. Do you, do you believe that, you know, again, certain people of ethnic groups would be less able to get voter ID than others? How do you see this? No, that is a totally bogus argument. In fact, it's a patronizingly racist argument. And the facts actually show how untrue it is. Look, the left has been using this for years to try to oppose election reforms that they don't like, voter ID being one of them. First of all, keep this in mind. Every single state that has passed a law saying you have to show a photo ID to vote will provide a free ID to anyone that doesn't have them. Second, uh, these laws have been in place now for a long time. Um, the photo ID laws in Georgia and Indiana, for example, were effective for the first time in the 2008 presidential election when Barack Obama was elected. Um, so we have uh, almost 15 years worth of turnout data. And what does that data show? Not only do, do does turnout not go down in states that put in voter ID laws, uh, they have uh, consistently gone up. And that includes all voters, including, uh, for example, uh, Hispanic and black American voters, uh, their turnout goes up. Um, so the idea that it's somehow discriminatory, it's just not true. And the polling shows that the American public agrees that this is a good idea. Uh, the last poll I saw on this was, I think, about 80% support for voter ID across the country. And by the way, that's a majority of not just Republicans, but also Democrats, independents, uh, white voters, Hispanic voters, Asian voters, and African-American voters, too. All of them say, yeah, this is a common sense requirement. Why wouldn't it be? They, we have to show ID every day in so many other places, and, and no one ever claims that's somehow racist. Hmm. Now, one thing I really want to get into is these organizations involved in some of this, you know, ballot trafficking, I guess we can call it. You know, one of the big things that's now, you know, becoming part of the national discussion, thanks to the documentary you were in, uh, Dinesh D'Souza's uh, documentary, was that, again, they were showing these so-called mules going to 10 or more different ballot drop boxes, but between right. that traveling to these nonprofit groups. And the nonprofit groups, everyone's kind of wondering what these groups are because, uh, they're not named in the documentary. They're not, they're not shown. And so people are like, well, who are these groups? And Dinesh alludes to possible financing from individuals like George Soros and to Mark Zuckerberg. Right. Do you know anything about these organizations or what they might be? No, I don't know the five organizations that Dinesh D'Souza doesn't name in there. But um, look, for the past uh, several decades, um, there have literally been dozens of organizations formed on the left to engage in voter registration, uh, but more importantly, to, for example, file lawsuits against states to get rid of every 
safety and security protocol put on. I mean, they're constantly suing states to prevent things like voter ID laws, to prevent states from actually cleaning up and maintaining the accuracy of their roles. And it's everyone from, you know, the ACLU uh, and the Mexican American Legal Defense Fund to um, what I call astroturf organizations. These are organizations that claim to represent the grassroots, but but aren't you know they're 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 just representatives of other groups uh, that are well funded not just by George Soros but by uh, by other liberal uh, uh, multimillionaires and and billionaires and they spend a huge amount of money basically trying to destroy the security integrity of the American election process look. You can you can see this in the fact that several years ago when Arizona did a smart thing and outlawed ballot trafficking to try to prevent political consultants and others from being able to, to pick up or steal uh, folks absentee ballots. Um, you know, Mark Elias, who is the legal general of the left, he sued Arizona, took that case all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court because he said they should not be able to ban vote trafficking. Fortunately, he lost. But that's how important it is to the left that they be able to continue to basically get people's absentee ballots from them in their homes. Well, and th this is bizarre because, you know, they're, they're talking yeah. about the most secure election in history, but based on what you're saying, it seems like the things that would have secured the election, they're actively trying to get rid of. Explain no, this to me. I mean, right. what what are some of the real things that they're trying to target to make sure we can't have? What kind of protections are they trying to do away with? Well, for example, during the 2020 election, they filed suits in multiple states. Uh, one saying states should not be able to enforce their voter ID laws. Uh, they filed lawsuits saying that if a state had a witness signature requirement on an absentee ballot, which is you know one of the only ways to be able to authenticate, it was really the the voter who filled it out. Uh, that no, no state should be able to enforce a witness signature requirement. Uh, right now, there are lawsuits pending in a number of states because um, many states reformed their election laws after 2020 to do something very smart, to extend the ID requirement to absentee ballots. And again, lawsuits have been filed by the left saying, well, you just, you just can't do that. So it's things like that and trying to force states to, for example, put in automatic voter registration, which is a recipe for fraud. That, what that means is that uh, when you go in to get your driver's license, you know, normally they ask you, would, would you like to register to vote? And if you say no, that's the end of it. Uh, liberals want to change those laws so that they don't ask you, what you whether you want to register to vote. They automatically register you to vote. And they don't just want the driver's license bureaus doing it, they want all state agencies. Well. You and I both know what that means. It means people will get registered multiple times. They'll get registered in multiple states if, if they have property or do business in more than one state. Uh, and it also potentially will register aliens who aren't supposed to be registered in voting because uh, aliens have to deal with all kinds of state agencies all the time. Well, and, and that's an important point, too, because we also saw in New yep. York where, you know, again, if you register, if you get a driver's license in New York, they do ask you that. And they've also made driver's licenses available to illegal aliens or just right. non-citizens. And now they're trying to change the laws so that non-citizens can vote in the elections as well. Right. Yeah. The city of New York has, has done that. There are several lawsuits pending against it. It's a uh, 
it's a very bad idea. You know, if you haven't gone to the effort to apply for U.S. citizenship, you're showing that you really don't want to be a U.S. citizen. You don't want to take on the responsibilities, not just the rights of being a U.S. citizen. Why should you be able to vote? Now, you know, one of the big narratives that came out after the elections was the claim that these types of organizations that we're talking about right now, whether it's Mark Zuckerberg and his huge operation right. to finance these types of operations or others, uh, that what they did was fortifying the election. And when people hear fortifying, they think that, you know, you're strengthening the systems. Was it actually a strengthening of the systems or, in your view, was it a weakening of the systems? How did that play out? No, I, I think it was a weakening of the system uh, when they, uh, for example, came up with the idea of drop boxes, something we've never had in a prior election. You know, putting a box someplace where it's unguarded, unsurveilled, um, to, for people to put absentee ballots in, well, that can lead to the kind of fraud um, where people are able to either manufacture or steal absentee ballots and stuff large numbers of them into a drop box because there's no election official there to say, where did you get 100 absentee ballots? Why are you putting in the box? Um, you know, that's the kind of thing that could lead to detection of that kind of problem. Also, they raised all kinds of conflicts of interest and I think potentially unethical conduct. Mark Zuckerberg and his uh, supposedly nonpartisan nonprofit gave huge amounts of grant money to election offices in big urban democratically controlled districts. The clear, um, the clear intent there was to move the get out the vote campaign of the Democratic Party into government offices and use government offices to do that. That, that was uh, like I said, unethical, something that should not have happened. Let's talk about that a bit more because everybody's talking about Mark Zuckerberg's operations now, financing right. this, and they're questioning, well, was what he did legal or illegal? Did you see anything within the operations they had that were potentially illegal? Well, unfortunately, uh, this was unprecedented. So states didn't really have any laws that prevented a private individual from giving a grant to uh, city and county election uh, offices. But uh, that sh they shouldn't have accepted that money. Um, there have been investigations now conducted in a number of places. Probably the most obvious one is Green Bay, Wisconsin, where the clerk responsible for running elections there actually resigned about a week before the 2020 election in disgust because what she said was that the grant money uh, also brought in a Democratic activist who came in and started acting as if he was running elections there and telling people what to do. And she protested it, but the Democratic mayor of the city basically said, uh, you need to do whatever this guy tells you to do. And that's the kind of behavior that I think, unfortunately, may have been repeated in other parts of the country. Now, on this too, I mean, let, let's kind of try to put these pieces together because you know, I, I'm sure for you, you kind of have the whole picture in your mind, but for a lot of us, we hear, we hear bits and pieces of it. Like, you know, based on your research, how do you see all of this fitting together? The organizations, the funding, the universal mail-in ballots, the drop boxes, the voter registration, like, what is the whole picture when you tie this together in terms of where our elections are at? No voter ID, no witness signature, no ability of states to um, clean up their voter rolls and take people off who have died or perhaps moved to another state and registered again. No protections against aliens 
illegally registering and voting and enhancing all of that by saying, oh, well, for example, we should simply mail ballots to all registered voters, which given the inaccuracy of voter rolls uh, and the large numbers of people who shouldn't be on there because they, they've moved or no longer live there or, or have died, you will have large numbers of absentee ballots floating around uh, in places where they can be, what, gathered up by political, paid political uh, activists and used to try to change election results. So the, the whole thrust of all of this is to make our elections as insecure as possible. It's the opposite, it, it's heading us in the opposite direction of where we had been heading for the last hundred years. Remember, in the, you know, by the late 1900s, uh, early 1900s, uh, the election fraud was commonplace all over the country. I mean, historians all will tell you that. And many of the things we put in were put in to prevent that. Everything from requiring people to register to vote to coming up with the secret ballot, which we did not have. All of that was to prevent the kind of ubiquitous widespread fraud that was occurring in American elections. And it's like the left wants to bring us back to those days. Hmm. Now, uh Again, a lot of the discussion in the country now is around Dinesh D'Souza's documentary where he shows, right. again, people picking up and stuffing ballots, you know, get, allegedly getting paid to do so based on uh, eyewitnesses and whistleblowers. How much of the picture do you think that covered when it comes to election fraud? Like what, you know, what, what, what piece of the pie, what percentage of it would you say that that showed in terms of the fraud taking place? I don't know, but the numbers he comes up with are pretty big. I mean, if, if what he is alleging is true, then it might have been uh, enough votes to change election results in, in some states. But remember, we also had another big problem in the election, and that was uh, liberal Democratic election officials in, in some states, like Pennsylvania, saying, oh, guess what? We are not going to follow the law. We are not going to follow the rules. You know, the, the good example of that in Pennsylvania was Pennsylvania says your absentee ballot has to be back to election officials by the end of election day. And yet election officials there said, well, you know what, we're not gonna follow that law. We're gonna keep accepting absentee ballots for several days after election day. Now, those, the voters who sent those ballots in, you know, they weren't engaging in fraud. They didn't cheat. They were following the rules. But those election officials who counted those votes, those were invalid votes. They should never have been counted. And, and how much of a difference did that make in the election? Again, I don't know because, because we don't have the numbers on that, but when you combine those kinds of things with what uh, Dinesh D'Souza seems to have found out, we're talking about, I think, pretty serious questions about our last presidential election, which should be investigated. Hmm. Yeah, well, pow powerful stuff, I mean, serious stuff. Hans, just last question. You know, one question I get a lot from people is two sides. I mean, people are losing faith in the integrity of the election system. And that's going to cause problems, at least in my opinion, going forward, because a lot of people are, may, may right. just choose not to vote, frankly, uh, because they no longer believe the systems function in a way that they should. They don't think it's worthwhile. Um, but a lot of people wonder, like, what can we do? What can be done? What would you tell these people? Uh, first of all, uh, no, be sure and go vote. But the other thing you should do is get involved locally, the same way parents have been getting involved in their local school boards. Become a poll watcher. 
actually get a job as a precinct election official. Pay attention to what your county election board is doing, just like the school board. But here's the other thing people should realize. Things are actually much better today than they were in 2020. Why? Because the only good thing that came out of the 2020 election was a lot of state legislators finally realized, you know what? We actually need to improve and fix some of the problems. Uh, more than two dozen states since uh, the 2020 election have actually passed major election reform bills uh, improving their election process. I, I mentioned earlier, for example, states like uh, Texas and Georgia have extended their uh, voter ID laws to absentee ballots. That's a good thing. The other thing that folks can do, and this is the final thing I'll tell them, is look at the Heritage Foundation. We now have created an election integrity scorecard. We have rated every single state on how good or how bad their laws are, their election laws, when it comes to having a secure election. Uh, you can go to our website, go to our map, click on your state, and it'll bring up a complete summary of your state, uh, the things it's doing well and the things it's not doing good, well. And you know what? Check that. And if you think your state is not doing everything it should be doing, get involved. Talk to your state legislator and say, hey, why aren't you guys fixing this? Yeah, well, I guess we'll see how things go. But uh, yeah, a lot needs to be done, it seems. Uh, Hans von Spakovsky, really great having you on. Thanks again. Sure, thanks for having me.